This podcast is made possible by thousands of dedicated listeners just like you. Be a part of this powerful three-decade legacy of evangelization by visiting materdayradio.com or downloading the Hail Mary Media app. And thank you for joining us on the bridge between your faith and everyday life. Bringing you a common sense and fresh perspective to creating a just society. This is Common Sense on Social Justice. You'll get equipped with the tools you need to carry out social justice right where you are. Now, here's the host of Common Sense on Social Justice, Michael Davis. And thank you so much for joining us again. I am so glad to have you here today and so glad to be here. Today we are wrapping up our uh, series uh, on Mary as the model of justice. I hope you've enjoyed it as much as I have, and I hope you've learned from it and are going to consciously seek to follow her example. What I want to encourage you to do with these is to to go back over these episodes, go back over these passages, and look through step-by-step step how to consciously practice these things, you know, just as you practice a sport, you you consciously uh, repeat the process until you become good at it. For example, if you're playing basketball and you want to get good at shooting free throws, you shoot 100 free throws and you do that every day until it becomes second nature. And I encourage you to to take the example of Mary and these steps I've been extracting from these stories and, and uh, just take those and consciously practice them each day until you become good at it. Today we're going to wrap up the series on Mary as the model of justice by looking at what's commonly known as her Magnificat, or her prayer of praise uh, to God. Now, let me give you the, the context. So Mary uh, is, has been shown by the angel Gabriel that she will be giving birth to the Messiah uh, as the Holy Spirit comes on her. And uh, so she's pregnant now, and she goes to visit her relative Elizabeth, who is pregnant with John the Baptist. And as uh, Mary approaches Elizabeth, uh, and she was there for a few months because it was a little bit of a travel, especially since they had to travel on foot back then. But Mary goes to visit Elizabeth, and as she's approaching Elizabeth, uh, Elizabeth breaks out. It says John the Baptist leapt in the womb out of joy of the presence of Mary and Jesus. And Elizabeth broke out into a song of praise, giving praise to God and saying, how am I so privileged to uh, meet the mother of my Lord? And then Mary uh, in Luke one breaks out into a song of praise, often called the Magnificat. And I'm going to read this to you, and then we're going to extract a few observations uh, from this story. Uh, but one of the main things that we'll notice is that, notice as I read, that Mary's emphasis is on how God is the one who brings justice. God is the one who brings justice, not us, but God. And I'll explain this more in a moment. But here is Mary's uh, song of praise. And uh, after Elizabeth proclaims her amazement, uh, then it says in Luke 1, verse 46 and following, And Mary said, My soul magnifies the Lord, and my spirit rejoices in God my Savior. 
For he has regarded the lowest state of his handmaiden. For behold, henceforth all generations will call me blessed. For he who is mighty has done great things for me, and holy is his name. And his mercy is on those who fear him from generation to generation. He has shown strength with his arm. He has scattered the proud in the imagination of their hearts. He has put down the mighty from their thrones and exalted those of low degree. He has filled the hungry with good things and the rich he has sent away empty. He has helped his servant Israel in remembrance of his mercy as he spoke to our fathers, to Abraham and to his posterity forever. And Mary remained with her about three months and returned to her home. This is a powerful, powerful statement. And oftentimes it's said uh, on various chaplets repetitively and in various ways in the church. But let's not lose the power of what's going on here. The main emphasis that Mary shows in this profound, statement what mary was seeing as she said this is she was seeing that in jesus is the fulfillment of all the hopes of mankind especially with israel but she saw notice in this prayer praise she saw justice being fulfilled one of the things we know from the prophets of the old testament is that jesus would bring a kingdom of justice and and one of the things that we we see from Mary is that she saw justice as coming from God. Notice she says over and over again, uh, "He who is mighty has done great things. Holy is His name. His mercy is on those who fear Him. He has shown strength with His arm. He has scattered the proud." He has put down the mighty from their thrones. He has exalted those of low degree. He has filled the hungry. He has sent the rich away empty. In other words, justice comes from God because God is the doer of all things. I find it interesting that in Hindu thought, uh, that uh, uh, the Hindu thought of creation is that God is the doer of all things, not us. We're just the players. So the Hindu thought of creation is that Creation is like a movie scene in which we are the actors, but God is the doer or the director. So God is doing everything through us. And of course, that goes with Christian thought and other realms of thought as well. But uh, God is the one performing justice. And if we're bringing about a just society, it's because God is doing it through us. We're just the actors in the play, so to speak. Now, there's several observations, just as I've done with the other episodes. There's several uh, observations I want to bring out of this passage, if, is that it's sort of a step-by-step analysis of how Mary viewed justice as coming about. Is that, first of all, she begins by praising God. Her focus was not on the situation that appeared to be unjust and she wasn't focusing on a, an unjust world. Her focus was on God. You see, Uh, so often we spend all of our time 
focusing and our energy on focusing on what's wrong. But for to follow the example of Mary, what we should do is focus on God and see him and, and to, to see the goodness of God and to see what is good in the universe, which of course all comes from God. And we do that through spending a lot of time in meditation. And if you are a person who's giving your work and energy to justice, I encourage you, you're the person that needs to spend more time in meditation. Yogananda, who was a, an Indian saint uh, in the 20th century, not Catholic, but Hindu saint, said, read some, meditate more, think of God always. I'll repeat that. He said, read some, meditate more, think of God always. And Yogananda would go on to say that we, our mind, no matter what activity we're doing at the moment, our mind should always be on God. And that's the way it is. And that's where Mary was. Her mind wasn't on what's wrong with the world. Her mind was on the goodness and the beauty of God. You know, as Catholics, Catholics talk about the beatific vision, that moment and that the reality of being one with God, that the saints are experiencing the beatific vision, that, that experience of knowing God perfectly. And notice it's called a beatific vision. They're seeing God for who God really is. And I don't mean they're seeing God with their eyeballs, right? So think about this. Angels don't have bodies, therefore they don't have eyes, the people who have died no longer have their bodies, so they don't have eyes at the moment. So they're not physically seeing God. They're seeing God for who God really is and experiencing God perfectly. You see, and what Mary was doing as the perfect woman, she was experiencing that beatific vision in this Magnificat. She was focused perfectly on the goodness and beauty of God. Therefore, she could see the injustices of the world in their proper context. Another observation besides Mary beginning with praise to God, another observation I've noticed with this passage is that she had joy. It is more important to observe God rather than the news. Why did I just say that? Because the news is depressing, it's inaccurate, it's wrong, it's got a bad perspective. Have you noticed that everything in the news is negative? Now, once a month I do a news uh, podcast, and if you'll notice, and giving commentary on the news, and if you notice that I always include a positive story. Why? Because we live in a beautiful uh, uh, world. You know, you ever get a song stuck in your head? This whole week, I've had a song stuck in my head. It's because I watched Good Morning Vietnam with my fiance uh, last week. And there's a song in there where they, they play Louis, Louis B. Armstrong's song, um, What a Wonderful World. And, uh, and of course, in that movie, they play that, but they show all these injustices happening in the background. It's a parody of that song, so to speak, or a paradox, I guess. And it really hits the point home. But the fact is, we do live in a wonderful world. 
And one of the things that the that song's been running through my head all week. One of the lines that stuck out to me with that song is he says, I see people saying, how do you do? What they're really saying is, I love you. You see, the news doesn't show those things. The news shows all the negativity. And if there is something that they report positive, they twist it into a negative. But the fact is, if you're paying attention, there's beauty all around you. And it all is in God. And Mary realized that. She had joy. And it is more important when you work towards justice, it is more important to observe God rather than observing the news. You know, we tend to complain and moan about injustice, but rather than complaining and moaning about injustice, Mary rejoiced in God. And by doing that, she had the right perspective on the injustices happening in the world. Because she saw, as we'll see in a moment, she saw the injustices as already being corrected. Because by seeing God perfectly, she could see the eternal reality of what is going on. The third observation, besides her praising God and having joy, is the third observation from this passage is she knew that God saw the situation. She knew that God saw the situation. And the fact is, God is not oblivious. God is not oblivious to what's going on in the world. God sees the injustices before we see them. In fact, if there's anybody who's oblivious, it's you and I. We're the ones that are oblivious to what's going on. How many injustices went right past you today and you didn't even see it? But God sees it before we do, because God is the doer of all things. And so because God is the doer of all things, if we see an injustice, it's because God is seeing it through us. It's kind of like binoculars. You ever use binoculars, try to look at the moon or try to look at a a small bird that's far away, look at them through the binoculars? Let me ask you a question. When you're doing that, is it the binoculars that's seeing the bird? No, you are seeing the bird through the binoculars. We are the binoculars, and God is seeing the injustice through us, you see. So if you see injustice, it's because God originally is the one who saw it, and he's using you to hone in on that injustice. Therefore, You're not seeing the injustice. God is. And he's wanting to use you to correct it. So Mary knew that God saw the situation. She was not freaked out about the Roman Empire. I mean, the Roman Empire just screamed injustice. But Mary didn't freak out, panic, and go into all this worry mode about the Roman Empire. No, she she knew that God saw the situation and that God was going to do something. And the fourth observation from this Magnificat is that Mary knew that God will not remain silent to our world. Notice in verse 50 that Mary, notice in verse 50, Mary says, uh, and his mercy is on those who fear him from generation to generation. Mary knew that God would show mercy, (laughs) that mercy would win the day. 
Now, it's interesting she says that God will show mercy on those who fear him. So where does injustice really come from? It comes from a lack of fear of God. If we truly feared God, we would act justly towards one another. When we're acting unjustly towards one another, it's because we we don't fear God in that moment. But notice in all of these that Mary speaks in the past tense as if it already happened. She says, uh, uh, he has shown his strength. He has scattered the proud. He has put down the mighty from their thrones. He has exalted those. He has filled the hungry. He has sent the rich away empty. Mary, because she saw God perfectly and observed God rather than observing what was right in front of her, then she had the eternal perspective and could see the eternal fleshing out of everything. And so she knew that she didn't need to worry, panic, protest, burn things down. No, God, God's got it all. God's got it. I remember a few years ago, I was sitting silently in front of the Blessed Sacrament. For those of you who are not Catholic, that something times what Catholics will do is we will sit in front of the bread that has been transformed into the body of Christ. And in a church alone, silently, we'll just sit there. Sometimes for a few moments, sometimes for hours. My patron, St. Benedict Joseph Lebray, he would sit in front of it for weeks on end. And you just sit in silence before the body of Christ. And I remember one time I was sitting in front for like an hour in silence and suddenly this voice from inside came to me that said, Michael, I've got this. See, I'd been thinking about a few things in my life that were disruptive and just causing me suffering. And I heard this voice say, Michael, I've got this. And what Mary was saying is, I've observed God, I've seen God, I've rejoiced in God, and what I can tell you about the injustices here in the Roman Empire and throughout the world, God's got this. In fact, I know so much that God has got this that I'm just going to tell you it's already happened. Uh, The prophets in the Old Testament would do that too. The Jewish prophets, they would speak future things as if they had already happened. You see, we don't have to worry about the injustices. Does God want us to act and correct things in the world? Yes, but we need to do it with the right perspective with the perspective that it's not me doing it, it's God doing it through me. And because it's God, therefore it's eternal. And because it's from an eternal perspective, it's already done. So I don't have to get myself worked up in a frenzy. I don't have to get all angry. I don't have to get all fiery and fierce and violent. No, I can just calmly... Relax, knowing God's got this. Notice when Mary, whether it's the wedding feast, standing at the cross, notice Mary never got worked up into a frenzy in those situations. She just simply, calmly did what needed to be done and trusted God with the outcome. And that's really an example we can follow with Mary is that we don't 
need to get ourselves worked up in a frenzy over injustices. If we see homelessness, sex trafficking, all that, instead of getting worked up in a frenzy, all we have to do is calmly know God's got this and just take the proper action, leaving the emotions out of it and just trusting God with the outcomes. We just take the proper steps to help those who are suffering injustice and then Uh, And then we trust God with the outcomes. Martin Luther King Jr., when he marched through the streets of Nashville, Tennessee, he wasn't not all worked up in a frenzy. He just simply took the simple action of walking through the streets, exposing the authorities for who they are by that simple action and trusted God with the outcomes. By the way, uh, even though Martin Luther King Jr. was a powerful public speaker, notice in his public speaking, he did not get worked up in a frenzy. He just simply spoke. He spoke with passion, but he just simply spoke and trusted God uh, with the outcomes. And that's the way Mary did as well. As well. Now, one of the things that I, uh, I notice in this, too, with Mary is how she, how she sees justice. Really, Mary defines justice for us. What is a just society? And if we look at Mary's definition in this Magnificat, we see that Mary's definition of a just society is a society where it, the leveling of all things happens. Notice she says he has brought the mighty down from their thrones, lifted up the lowly. He has filled the hungry, sent the rich away empty. The prophets, the Jewish prophets of ancient times prophesied that the Messiah would lift up the valleys and lower the hills. In other words, a leveling of society. So Mary sees justice as the leveling of of society where everyone is on an equal plane, where Caesar is no more important than the local shepherd out in the field, where the president is no more important than the person working in the factory, where the police are no more important than the homeless. A leveling of society. Now, As Mary shows us the definition of a just society, a society where everyone is on an equal plane, notice that everything is not on a homogenous plane, but on an equal plane. A homogenous plane is where everybody is the same. uh, Everybody is, is just plain and bland. But the fact is, a just society is where everybody still can be creative. Everybody can thrive in their own right. Everybody is recognized. Individuals can rise. However, everyone is still on an equal plane. And I don't even mean equal wages or equal position, but equal plane where everyone is important and everyone plays a part in that beautiful society. Now, the fifth and final observation uh, from this passage comes in verse 55. Uh, In in verse 55, uh, Mary states uh, uh, that as he spoke to our fathers, oh, he has helped, in verse 54, he has helped his servant Israel in remembrance of his mercy. And then verse 55, as he spoke to our fathers, to Abraham and to his posterity forever. He has helped his servant Israel 
in remembrance of his mercy as he spoke to our fathers, to Abraham. In other words, God had made promises to our, our, uh, to our, uh, ancient relatives are the people we came from to our forefathers. God made promises and he will fulfill them. He has fulfilled them. In other words, Mary realized that what God has promised, he will do. So we don't need to panic and worry about the injustices in the world because God is going to show mercy. He's going to level out society. He's going to bring down the powerful, lift up the lowly, he's going to fill the hungry, he's going to make a just world. We must follow the example of our Blessed Mother if we wish to seek a just society. I, you know, I could not think of any better example of justice than in our Blessed Mother, Mary, the mother of Jesus. What an example of justice she was. And it's not just that she was an example of justice. We, we gained such practical lessons and steps, concrete steps we can follow. And I encourage you again, go back through these episodes and review and rehash things and rehash these passages until it becomes concrete action in your life. As we close, I want to share the story of a modern saint who really lived out the example of Mary when it comes to justice, and that is St. Maximilian of Kolbe. He is often called the Saint of Auschwitz. Auschwitz was a horrible place during the time of Adolf Hitler and the Nazis in Germany in the 1930s and 40s. Auschwitz was a place where you literally went to die, but sometimes it was a quick death in the gas chambers, and sometimes it was a slow death through hard labor, And St. Maximilian was a Catholic priest who was arrested and sent to Auschwitz. But before that happened, Maximilian Kolbe continuously was in the habit of observing Jesus and observing Mary. And he consistently followed Mary's example throughout his life. In fact, his whole goal in life was to promote the knowledge of Mary throughout the world. And he took, I mean, he published newspapers, magazines, articles, all spoke. He did, he created an army of people to spread the knowledge and devotion to Mary throughout the world. But St. Maximilian, it came time, he was arrested in Germany uh, or in Poland and sent to Auschwitz. And what did he do in Auschwitz? He did not change one bit. He continued to follow the example of Mary, and he acted justly. There was a man, when they were standing in line to go uh, to be, uh, uh, you know, entered into Auschwitz concentration camp, there was a man in the line ahead of Maximilian Kolbe who cried out and begged the prison guard not to send him to Auschwitz. He says, I've got a wife and children at home, and I've got to take care of them. And St. Maximilian Kolbe, and following Mary's example, he spoke up, and he told that prison guard, he says, let that man go home, and I will take his place here at Auschwitz. And the prison guard was shocked. He asked Maximilian Kolbe, he's like, who in their right mind would do something like this? <clears throat> But being the saint he did, 
The guard agreed to it, and Maximilian Kolbe took the place of this man uh, who was released and allowed to go home to his family. And so uh, Maximilian Kolbe then was processed into Auschwitz concentration camp. During his time there, he was sent to uh, hard labor that he had to perform. He became a skeleton like many people there because he was slowly starved to death. But what did Maximilian Kolbe do during that time? He continued to be a priest. (laughs) He didn't have a church anymore. He didn't have an altar, but he did have the people at Auschwitz and he would hear people's confessions and perform mass for prisoners. And he would encourage others. He was even put in one of the, they would, the Germans would put prisoners, uh, Auschwitz in a small room, uh, where they would light a, put four prisoners who had, uh, there was just enough space in this room for four people to stand up shoulder to shoulder. And then they would light a candle to suck the oxygen out of the air and, and bring them to their death. And Maximilian Kolbe was put in one of those rooms. And what did he do? He acted as a priest towards those three other people. Why? Because he followed the example of Mary and he up to the time of his last breath acted justly towards others. May we be like Maximilian Colby. No matter what situation we're in, we always act justly towards others. May we be like our blessed mother. May we imitate our mother, the Virgin Mary, as we work towards a just society right where we are. Mary did not work towards justice for the whole world. She she worked for justice right where she was. But then it had worldwide implications. Be like your mother. That's what I want to encourage you to be like your mother. Thank you for joining me in this series. I've loved the series. I was looking forward to doing it. I've loved every moment of it. And I encourage you to really take this to heart and, and study the life of Mary, study her practices of justice and imitate her perfectly. Wow. Can't believe we've come to the end of this study, but here we are. What an example Mary is, and may she inspire you to even greater things. And as you follow her example, as you follow the example of Jesus, as he followed her example, and may you truly have a blessed day today as you create a just society right where you are. You've been listening to Common Sense on Social Justice with your host, Michael Davis a common sense and fresh perspective to creating justice where you are. Share your comments and questions with Michael by emailing sjcommonsense at gmail.com. That's sjcommonsense at gmail.com. If you enjoyed this podcast, please consider sharing it with a friend. You can support this vital mission of evangelization through materdayradio.com or the Hail Mary Media app. And thank you for helping us lead souls to Jesus through the Blessed Virgin Mary.